Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Hal Donaldson, who is the president and CEO of Convoy of Hope. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Welcome back everyone if you're longtime listeners thank you for your continued support if you're hopping on for the first time what an episode to join into glad you're here with us in this conversation i speak with hal donaldson who is the president and ceo of convoy of hope which is an organization that responds in times of crisis um, through food water emergency supplies uh, and so much more to help alleviate poverty and hunger and especially now with coronavirus, it is more than needed, the work that they're doing. And so this was recorded at the end of May. At that time, they had delivered 10 million meals. And now, uh, it being the end of July, they have delivered over 50 million meals across the world in response internationally to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm super excited to to share this conversation with Hal um, and just to hear his heart behind the the, the mission and organization, um, a little bit more about his journey and an encounter that he had with Mother Teresa that helped change and just really alter his path. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Hal Donaldson. But before we go there, if you've been uh, along with the journey for us for some time now, it would be great if you could support this podcast through several ways. You can donate online, www.theguyslikeus.com. Donate now. You can leave a rating and review on iTunes, or um, you can just take a screenshot of this episode and share it to social media or, or just share it to a few friends that you think would, would, would benefit from this podcast. Thank you so much, and here's my conversation. Hal, thanks so much for joining me in the Guys Like Us podcast. Hey, thanks, Tyler. It's great being with you. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. So we're uh, we're recording this podcast now in in May, and I know the past few months has been uh, quite a whirlwind for the for Convoy of Hope and just um, all the work that you're doing across you know so many so many areas and places and spaces. Can you uh, can you talk a little bit about? I know the, the latest statistic was that you've delivered over 10 million meals. Um, during yeah. this pan pandemic, can you just talk about kind of what kind of effort that's taken and how uh, you, I guess you mobilized and, and got and, and made this happen so quickly? Yeah, you know, uh, when when you face a crisis like this, you, you have a choice. You can either circle the wagons and become very protective, or you can begin looking out for opportunities. And so we decided, hey, let's let's go for it. You know. Um, it may cost millions of dollars to do this, but let's just let's go for it and trust God to bring in the resources and, on the back end. And uh, so um, our people were just turned loose. We said, uh, let's touch as many states, as many churches, communities as we can. And seriously, Tyler, in a matter of days, we had um, over a thousand requests uh, from churches mm -hmm. saying, hey, we want to do an outreach in our community. Um, can you provide um a truckload of food and supplies and so we've been doing that i think i think in the first six weeks we delivered uh about 10 million plus meals 
We're now up to 20 million. Uh, and we're just going to keep going because the lines at these distribution sites, uh, which are at churches, churches have turned their parking lots into distribution centers. Um, the lines are two, two and a half, three miles long. And so the need is so great. So many people lost their job. And, uh, so I can't even tell you today where it's going to end. We're just going to keep going and helping as many people as we can. And uh, I've just been so pleased with how the church has um, responded. They said, we want, to help, we want to help people. We want to do something. Convoy, can we link with you to, to get it done? Yeah. Well, it's been exciting. That's fantastic. And I, yeah, I, I know in, a, in New England, where I'm coming from, there's, I was speaking to a friend about Convoy of Hope, and he said, oh, yeah, they, they delivered a, uh, you know, a, a truck came by our, our church just a few weeks ago. Um, and so awesome. it, it was just, it was really cool to see just how the, the local impact um, uh, to these local churches, as you, as you mentioned. What, um, can you, for, for folks who are not as familiar with Convoy of Hope, would you just mind yeah. providing just a little bit of background. Uh, I know you're, you're kind of, your scope is pretty big, but just kind of how, um, what kind of, what direction you're, uh, you've been focused on the pat in the past years and uh, really where you are focused right now. Oh, thanks for the question. Uh, Convoy in the U.S., we, we have been, uh, for like over 20, 25 years now, we've been doing community outreaches and where we'll go to a community like Boston or D.C. and We'll bring together 100 churches, uh, different denominations, and um, you know they will uh, provide everything from free medical and dental care, job fairs, free shoes for kids, free haircuts, a full menu of services. And these outreaches attract thousands of people. And so we do over 25 of those across the country every year. Yeah. And um, and then on top of that, we all are also involved in disaster response. Um, wherever there's a major disaster in the U.S. or around the world. Uh, Convoy of Hope is responding and uh, meeting needs. And then uh, internationally, we really have three prongs that all work together. Uh, we'll go to a community and we will begin a, a children's feeding program in a local school. Uh, we do it in the schools because by doing it in the schools, it keeps the kids in school. If you don't feed them in school, the parents have them out at street corners begging or scavenging for food off garbage heaps. Mm. Um, and then uh, we also have an agriculture program where we're training people to grow food. Thousands of farmers every year are trained. And then uh, lastly, internationally, we're involved in women's empowerment. Uh, we train thousands of women every year, jobs training, and we help them start their own businesses so they can feed their own kids. Mm. So that, in, a, in a nutshell, that's, that's who fine. we are. That's what we do. Sure, sure. No, thank you. Thank you. And so um, I, I know that there's, at least on this podcast, there's a lot of folks that are tuning in from across the country and may be familiar, may not be as familiar with the work that you're doing. What are some, uh, I think of uh, a lot of, you know, community church leaders that want to bring this, uh, to, to, to kind of have this community event and to partner with you. What is that? Can I, can you talk about the initial steps of what that might look like? Yeah, it really begins with a phone call, um, or an email to Convoy of Hope and yeah. just inquiring. Um, you know, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for communities where there's a need, you don't want to go where there isn't a need, but, um, and, and then where there are churches that are willing to work together and that are willing to do the follow-up, you know, it, we talk about the prep and the prep will take six months really to get yourself ready for this. Cause it's a big event. You're going to attract thousands of people. But the question we ask is, are you willing to do the work on the backside? Because people come and the goal of these events is connectivity. We want people to be connected to local churches, but those churches have to be willing to connect with them 
and provide ongoing care. And so um, those are some of the things that we look for. We have a, a list of criterion, but um, they've been incredibly successful, meeting a lot of needs, connecting a lot of people to the local church. Yeah, oh, amazing, amazing. Has there been, um, I, I, I'm sure you're, you know, you get stories all the time of just how the, these incredible needs were met, uh, were met, how you blessed, uh, blessed people, you know, in, in X or Y neighborhood. Is there anything in particular, you know, recently that really touched your heart and, uh, and just, I guess, affirmed a lot of the work that you're doing and it was encouraging to keep going? Yeah, there are so many stories, um, unrelated to COVID-19, the, the COVID-19 right. stories have been pretty remarkable. People who um, have talked about how they were thinking about taking their life because they didn't know where to turn. They'd lost hope. Uh, stories of people who, whose cupboards were empty. And um, they heard about a distribution at a church. And, and um, you know, so a lot of those kind of stories, uh, a lot of tears, a lot of mm-hmm. desperation is what we're hearing out in the field. But, you know, at the community outreaches themselves, um, I think one that kind of sticks in the back of my mind, and there are so many stories, um, is uh, a gang member who, um, you know, was stuck in gangs, came to a Conway of Hope outreach um, the following, and, and really gave his life to Christ. Hmm. Uh, the following year, he found himself uh, not there in line to receive, but there as a volunteer. Um, and uh, hmm. another quick story, yeah. uh, one, of our, one of our vice presidents uh, called up um, an airline, um, and uh, was trying to change a flight. And uh, he got it into a long discussion with the person on the other end. And um, the person just said, well, you know, where do you work? What do you do? And he said, well, I work for Conway Hope. And he could hear on the other end of the line the gentleman uh, crying. Um, mm-hmm. And it's because that man had given his heart to Christ, turned his life around at a Conway outreach, and... Uh, Anyway, we, you know, those are the kind of stories that mm-hmm. you you don't always hear, but that was very encouraging to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just think it's such a, um, at least you know, in it's such a, it's just just such a great way to to be involved in the community in the city and to outreach. That's that's not typical or not always. Um, you know, as you mentioned, these can take six months to plan. So there's there's a lot yeah. of preparation that goes into it. They don't happen all the time, um, and. I'm sure that it's just a it's a great opportunity when they are when they are available to engage with people in different ways and show really the heart for the the community the city um, and how you know we we want to meet you where you are and so I think that's right uh, it's that it's fantastic so I I, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit um, sure. and go back to kind of the the initial start of Convoy of Hope and kind of when you were first getting things rolling obviously you've, it's, it's grown to quite a a large, um, just, yeah, just, it, it's, it's grown quite large, but I'm sure kind of the initial, when you were first getting rolling, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't always the, or maybe wasn't, it wasn't a top, top of mind of, Oh, I, you know, this, this we're going to be this big, or this is what the impact that we're going to have. What were some of the, um, I guess the challenges that you faced initially, where was your mind when you first started this? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I come from a welfare family and so, uh, you know, for me, um, God had to really change my heart before and really do a work in my heart before he could work through my hands. And, um, you know, that was foundational. Um, and, uh, you know, so as a welfare kid, um, you know, and, and 
when you're when you're poor, you know, your quest in life becomes not to become poor anymore. Uh, you just want that that life to end, and that certainly was where I was in my 20s. I'd gotten a degree in journalism and a degree in Bible, and was really just trying to climb the ladder um, um, ladder of success. And um, something very intriguing happened, um, and I believe it was destiny. Uh, I received a book contract that took me to Calcutta, India. And when I landed on, on the tarmac, uh, the people who were hosting me, they said, hey, um, we want you to interview someone for our book because I'd been asked to write a book for them. And um, they took me to meet Mother Teresa. And so here I am, you know, just conversing with her. And in the course of the conversation, she just asked me, she said, uh, young man, what are you doing to help the poor and the suffering? And, you know, I just figured I better not lie to her. I need to tell her the truth. And I said, well, I'm really not doing much of anything. And she said, well, everyone can do something. Um, and those words were haunting, Tyler. Um, mm -hmm. And came back to the States, um, wrestling with where my life was headed. And I was just praying one day, and I felt like God gave me an idea for a book. And, um, and um, to go and live in the streets of eight cities for three days and three nights. And so I went to Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, D.C., major cities. I uh, walked the streets at midnight. I interviewed drug addicts, gang members, prostitutes, runaways. And um, it was out of that experience that God really began to change me. Uh, he broke my heart. I saw this bear unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And uh, it was on the heels of that that I came back. And with $300, I went out, bought some groceries, put them in a pickup truck, and just handed them out to hurting families. And that was 26 years ago. Wow. Wow. And it, one thing that you mentioned earlier is that, you know, it's just that these once I, I think these initial ideas, they can have such a um, uh, they can just create a lot of momentum and just create a lot of interest from people around you. What, what I, I, I feel like there must just be some kind of enthusiasm, some kind of spirit move that happens when you are when you're helping somebody out and just the kind of what that initiates in the, in, yeah. in the community. And is there, you know, I, I was thinking kind of in terms of the, the, the global scale that you, that you've, that you've been at, what in, in India in particular, was there anything that was maybe uh, eye opening or just changing as you came back to the United States? Yeah. You know, um, I, I have a book out called disruptive compassion and I, there's a full chapter dedicated to, um, just the, um, you know, the tension I was feeling, uh, the stress of being around so much poverty and realizing that I had so much mm -hmm. and feeling guilty for having so much. And, um, you know, I think in India in particular, the need is just so great. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to become overwhelmed by the need, you know, and you become paralyzed, if you will, by the need. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just so massive. And, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, one of the things I, I felt like the Lord really showed me is that uh, he never called me to feed the world. He, he asked me to feed the person right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so Tyler, my life began to change when I began to try and just do the next kind thing that Jesus put in front of me. And, um, you know, I think I began to learn that you have to almost go beyond compassion, emotions of compassion, and really kind of stress uh, stretch yourself toward a life of selflessness. Um, hmm. People say, well, how are you compassionate? Well, 
Um, that's not my goal. My goal is to be selfless. And you, um, this actually want to, want to transition for a little bit too into your book, Disruptive Compassion, um, Becoming the Revolutionary You Were Born to Be, which is your latest book, uh, which was published in 2019. Can you discuss a little bit about what it means to be a revolutionary? I think that word has, you know, has taken so many different meanings and people can can uh, put it in so many different, different contexts and different ways. But uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by that? Sure. I mean, I think that word conjures up images of um, people in army fatigues, you know, marching through the streets, waving their rifles, waving their, their fists. Um, and uh, this this book really is calling people to a revolution of kindness. Mm. Um, and uh, your weapon of choice is acts of kindness, if you will. Uh, and the book really was intended to be a playbook. I, w- I was speaking at the University of Missouri to some students and um, afterwards they had an open microphone where the students could come and ask anything they wanted. And what I heard that night was one student after the other saying, well, I want my life to count. I, I really want to do something. I'm not exactly sure what to do. And so that night in my heart, I, I thought, well, why don't I write a playbook on how to take yourself from a, a place of wanting to do something to really doing something. And so that's, that's really what the book is. Um, it mm-hmm. talks about reconnaissance. Um, the importance of kind of breaking out of the bubble and going out and seeing need. We're not going to respond to needs we don't see. We're not going to respond to cries we don't hear. Hmm. So it's important that we get out and we see it and we experience it. When I talk about those eight cities that I went to, that's really what that was. That was reconnaissance. That was God showing me things that I didn't know even existed, showing me needs. Yeah. Um, another thing I talk about in the book um, is the need to create your own uh, mission statement or manifesto. Um, and, uh, and then the third thing I talk about is, is really uh, creating a bucket list, but a different kind of bucket list. Um, the kind of bucket list that, yes, lists the things you want to do with your life, but also includes the things you want to do for God and for your fellow um, human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, uh, disruptive compassion, yeah, it just kind of takes you on a journey. From where you are, so maybe to where you want to be. Yeah, I I really like the point um, that needs aren't always going to be right in front of you. So it kind of takes this step, you know, a small step to get out and to uh, and to see what that looks like. And um, I was just thinking about you know as you know Jesus right after he got baptized, he ended up going into the wilderness, and it's like kind of going out there into this place of unknown, into this place of uncertainty to see kind of, you know, to be tested at some capacity. Right. And I, I think, I think that that really resonated with me when I think about, you know what, at least your story, you know, going to different cities, is there, is there maybe some, some, uh, what would you kind of advise or encourage people just to take a small step, maybe out of their comfort zone to see, uh, yeah. to see that need that might, maybe it's, you know, to the capacity that you had, but, um, or maybe it's something maybe a little bit different. You know, it's interesting you ask that because I'm working on a, a project right now where um, we're answering the question, uh, how do you take a pilgrimage where you are? Because not everybody can travel around the country or around the world, Yeah. you know, and uh, there are so many needs within uh, 10 miles of where you live. Um, mm-hmm. If uh, So where do you start? You start at a local school. Uh, go and sit down with the principal of a local school and let he or she tell you 
um, about the lives of, of their students, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and then I also encourage people uh, to talk to their, their pastor. Uh, my experience has been that every pastor I've ever met has, um, has a desire to help the people in their community, but they don't always don't have enough um, uh, labor, people that are willing to work people that are willing to give it themselves. And so I really encourage people to talk to their pastors and find out what needs they're seeing and ask how you can plug in and be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And just, um, just a, f- a final few things here as we wrap up, what is, uh, you mentioned that, that especially during COVID-19, we don't really know how long this can, this can be. Um, is there, yeah. Is there ways that people can plug in right now, and meet a need i know you know locally or nationally what are some ways that people can get involved yeah i do, I do think you uh, you need to do all you can for your local church i think that's where it starts mm-hmm. um you know i really encourage people to give their resources to their local church i mean yeah. many local churches as you know are, are struggling right now and uh yeah uh, we don't want to see churches fail because of um, this virus um you know i think uh Obviously, give resources to organizations that are really doing uh, uh, the Lord's work. And I think uh, your local church, I think um, I really encourage people to um, to look for ways to uh, just express kindness right now. And, um, you know, one of the examples that I've given in the past is, um, hey, go ahead. When you're going through Starbucks or going through a drive through pay for the person behind you. And our experience has been that it doesn't stop with a person behind you. It, uh, it will go um, perhaps dozens of times where people are giving to other people behind them. And, um, you know, I think uh, one guy uh, told me recently that he went out and bought uh, uh, gift cards from restaurants in his community, and he's been handing them out to uh, health professionals and uh, police officers and, and mm-hmm. firemen and, um, and just wanting to one sew back into the restaurant community, but also wanting to express kindness. And, um, you know, if there's a vaccine our nation needs on top of COVID-19, a vaccine for that, we need, we need a, uh, the medicine we need right now is kindness. Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. Just, um, a last, last question here is, you know, is there, has there been a time or I guess what was the hardest time for you when you wanted to say no, but you, you were really called to say yes. Yeah. You know, uh, that goes back to the beginning of convoy of hope, uh, for me. Um, you know, as I said, I had been, uh, raising a a poor family. Um, my father had been hit and killed by a a drunk driver when I was 12. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that thrust me into a life of poverty. Um, and, um, I'm sitting here with you today in large part because of the kindness of other people. And so, you know, I think that kept me out of jail, quite frankly, as a teenager. Um, I was able to connect the dots between uh, the shame of poverty that I was experiencing, but also I connected the dots between the kindness of people and the goodness of God. Hmm. But as a young person who had started Convoy of Hope, and, uh, you know, I was I was really discouraged. Um, I really was discouraged. I, my wife and I had given everything we had, and we had said to the Lord, and I don't recommend this, but we gave God an ultimatum. And we said, Lord, if uh, if you don't do something for us, 
by the Fresno California outreach, which was six weeks away. If you don't do something, then we're going to give up. And um, nothing happened leading up to that outreach. And so we were ready to kind of just throw in the towel and let someone else do it. And um, a gentleman walked up to me, um, someone I didn't know, walked up and handed me an envelope. And inside was a check for $25,000. But was all, there was also a note in there, Tyler. And that note said, uh, keep going. God is with you. And um, I felt like I'd heard from the Lord. And, hmm. and um, you know, from that day, we've never looked back. But, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was a very discouraging time in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. And I know that, you know, there's people that are going that are quite discouraged now, but I know just through your inspiration, your story and the work that you're doing, um, there's a lot to, to be hopeful for. There's a lot of good things going on in, uh, in the United States and in, and in the world. So thank you for, uh, for your time. And just to, to close, is there anything else? Uh, that we that you wanted to, to mention, or, or just or ways that we can uh, we can find you and the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you can find out about Convoy of Hope on uh, just convoyofhope.org, convoyofhope.org. But uh, maybe one parting shot would be that you know when you're doing uh, God's work, when you're being kind to people, uh, when your mission is right in life, um, you can anticipate both hardship and miracles, hmm. um, both of them. Um, and uh, just because we're serving the Lord and doing the Lord's work doesn't mean that we're not going to face obstacles. Uh, the opposite is true. You're going to find difficult times, and um, you know, but but the Lord will be there. He did that for us at that Fresno outreach. He yeah. he came through, and yeah. I just really want to encourage people: keep being kind, because you have no idea where it will take you. Vision is incremental. It's it. God's not going to show you the full picture. If he did show you the full picture, it would freak you out. But um, he's going to show you the next step. Be obedient to the next step, then he'll show you the next one. And you have no idea where it will take you. And that is the story of Convoy of Hope. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Hal. It's been a, been a joy and a pleasure having you on. And um, wish you the best in, in, in the rest of your day and uh, until we, until we speak next. It's great being with you, Tyler, and congratulations again on the podcast.